The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. So as we get into the Word this morning, I want to get into the Word with a little bit of a, a Christmas mentality. Uh, some of those things, you know, we could spend a lot of time going over the Scripture that is very familiar to us, and I'd rather avoid that and just ask you to, to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1. And there's a, a lot of things that I think are, are worth uh, noting as we come into the, the, the Christmas season. I mean, the the things that we celebrate, the things that we sing about, uh, there, there's something that I think sums up, or there's a passage of scripture that sums up what all of those songs are about, what all the celebration is about, and I believe we'll find it uh, very simply here in John chapter 1. So I want to read a couple of things. So John chapter 1 is one of those chapters where if you're trying to pull a, a verse out of it, you just can't help but, well, I want to read that one too, and ooh, that part is so good, I, I, I want to read that. I would encourage you to, to read John chapter 1 there in your own time, and maybe there's a, a, a time where you're in the Word and, and are looking for a, a, some a time for the Holy Spirit just to minister to you personally. John chapter 1 would be a great thing to read. I want to read a couple of sections from it, beginning in verse 1. Now, verse 1 opens up with this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has ever come into being. In him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. That's not a bad thing to start every day with right there. The idea that everything in Jesus brings illumination into our life that darkness cannot overcome, it's a really, really powerful statement. I want to, to, to continue to the foundation for today's message, and as we get to that foundation, I want to give you a few things that we're going to look for. Uh, one that we're going to find is what Jesus is full of. There's something that Jesus is filled with, and we're going to see what that is. A second thing that we're going to find is what it means to have God's grace in your life. That way we can examine our life and see all the areas where God's grace is present and, and that can result in, in thanksgiving and gratitude and praise and worship and celebration. There are days where I'll step into even a church service and, and even in the midst of, of the wonderful anointing that Pastor Jared brings in leading praise and worship, my heart may not be in it, but as I recall the things that God has done in my life by his grace, all of a sudden I cannot help but be grateful and participate in praise and offer up thanksgiving. It's a wonderful thing to be able to, to know what God's grace looks like and see it in your life. And then a third thing we're going to find is uh, what Jesus does with God's grace. Once you have God's grace in your life, he sets an example of what you do with it. You know, is it just something that we're meant to hoard? Are we collectors of God's grace and we show it off like merit badges? You know, well, God did this and God did that. Uh, well, that's wonderful that God did those things, but you got to realize God did those things for a reason. Not, not just to simply show off in your life, but he's put those things in your life for a purpose, and we'll see what that purpose is. So uh, now that we're back in uh, uh, John chapter 1, I want to lay that foundation. We've established that Jesus entered into the world as light, darkness didn't comprehend, and I want to get down uh, a few passages 
uh, to find out what Jesus is filled with. So you're in John chapter 1. When you look down, all the way down to verse 14, it continues with these words. And the Word became flesh. So I want you to picture Jesus being born, the Word of God coming into the world as, as a baby there in the manger, just like you would picture in the nativity in this time of year. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. I told you we're going to find out what Jesus is filled with. This passage of Scripture reveals these two things. Jesus is filled with grace and with truth. And it's not just that he's filled with these things. He's filled with these things for a purpose. As we continue to read, we get down to verse 16, and it reads like this. For of his fullness we've all received, and grace upon grace has been bestowed upon us. For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. I want to stop right there, and I want to emphasize that last line, that grace and truth are realized through Jesus Christ. It's one of those things that you can read over, and it sounds like good writing. It sounds very encouraging and uplifting. It sounds very poetic. But if we stop and we look at the word, I want to, I want to let that word sink in, that word being the word realized. I mean, realized is a powerful word there. I mean, what is being realized is wonderful, grace and truth. But the idea of something being realized, I think, is what needs to be understood for this passage of Scripture to be a source of celebration and a source of excitement for believers. I mean, if Jesus is born into the world so that we can realize grace and truth, then I want to know what it means to realize something. So I want to just ask for a moment, not that anybody needs to answer out loud, uh, if you want to answer out loud, I won't stop you, but let the wheels turn. What does it mean to you to realize something? I mean, when you just even look at the word and how it's spelled and, and, and its origins, I mean, obviously something is happening here with, with the root word being the word real, R-E-A-L. Something is becoming a real or something is becoming a reality. Now, oftentimes when I realize something, it's something that maybe was always there and I've just missed it, and now it's brought to my attention. You know, my wife helps me realize many things. She helps me realize that I'm not as awesome as I think I am sometimes. She helps me realize that I'm really awesome on other times. She helps me realize that there are things that need to be done. She also helps me realize that there are things that have been done and been done very well. There's opportunity to see and acknowledge things that maybe we're missing. And so Jesus enters into the world, and this purpose in his entering is for you and I to realize two things, grace and truth. That tells me something. I mean, if oftentimes when I realize something, it doesn't mean that something is brought into existence. Rather, it means I become aware of something that's always been in existence. Then I can understand that God's grace and truth has always been. God's grace and truth has always been a part of my life, even before Jesus. And now Jesus is cause for me to realize the magnificence of God's grace and truth. I see that in my life, and I'm sure that you can see it in yours. You can look back in the past, you can look before you became a believer, and you can see the hand of God at work in your life through many trials and tribulations, hardships, difficulties, victories, breakthroughs, deliverances, protections. My God, the fact that I'm still standing and breathing today is a testimony that God's grace has been a part of my life since my birth. 
I look back on the things that I was allowed to do and just think, ah, it's a miracle that I'm alive. We were allowed to just jump on dirt bikes with loaded weapons and go out and have fun, right? I don't think you can do that with kids today. I was talking to my boys, they're 12, and I thought, you know what? When I was 12, my parents were putting me on a bus and I was going to work the harvest or going to do tractor work or going to do stuff like that. I think if you just dropped your kids off at the bus station today, you'd probably get met by CPS, right? You just can't do that anymore. But I look back on the things in my life, and then it just snowballs into more uh, odd situations, awkward situations, dangerous situations, but you can see God's protection and his hand on your life, bringing you up to the point of Jesus, where you can then look back, see those things, acknowledge that God's grace has been present, and it's realized. And when we realize God's grace, when we realize his presence in our life, it results in something. The more that we realize God's been at work in our lives, the more opportunity there is for thanksgiving and gratitude. I mean, there's an example in the scripture that is a little bit odd, but it's an example of a woman bursting into tears, and as she weeps, her tears wet the feet of Jesus, and she dries his feet with her hair. Now, I'm kind of a space guy, you know? I mean, like we had the COVID situation and social distancing and stuff, I got news for you. I've been social distancing all of my life. I mean, you might notice there's some Sundays you might come talk to me and I do one of these. Don't take it personally. I'm just, that's my space right there. You know, not quite six feet, but, but you know, it's, it's a little bit of space. So I hear this, this situation, and, and that's just kind of a, an odd situation. What well, was odd for people in the room when they saw it? You know, it was odd that she interrupted the flow of conversation with her, her, her tears and her crying. And then it was odd that she began to wipe his feet with her hair. And everyone's looking at this odd situation and they look at Jesus and say, uh, aren't you going to, to handle this? Put a stop to this. And he made a comment that she had many things to be forgiven of. And that is why she was so moved emotionally. So he didn't say it like this, but I think it's safe to acknowledge this is what's going on. She realized how much she needed God's grace. She realized how much God's grace was present in her life. And because she realized how much God's grace was present in her life, it resulted in a release of thanksgiving, a release of gratitude, in her case, even a release of emotion, probably from from pent-up fear and anxiety of, of judgment to come, to be liberated from that was such a cause of celebration. And as we realize God's grace in Jesus, the result in us is no different. Thanksgiving, gratitude, praise, worship. I want to give you a, a couple of passages of Scripture here as we move forward. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here concerning God's grace. God's grace is the solution for our needs. Now, I want to give you a few. I mean, you could make a long list of these uh, scriptures, and, and, and it would be a great thing to do if this were a series, but, but we're, we're just going to go over a few things here. Uh, Psalm 4, verse 1, God's response to your prayer. Psalm 4, verse 1, answer me when I call, O Lord, my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So when we read through these passages of Scripture, you can plow through them really quickly, and, and there's nothing bad about that. I mean, it's encouraging to consider what the Word says right there, but if we take the time to look at what's going on here, it can really be helpful. I mean, this guy is obviously stressed. Has anyone in this room ever been stressed? 
I got news for you. The other day I was driving and I stopped. I stopped at a, a, a drugstore because I wanted to go put my little arm in the cuff and say, I need to find out if I'm going to make it, you know. I was feeling so stressed. I felt like there was a, a tension in my body. It wasn't a healthy thing. I mean, people deal with stress. You have situations that don't go the way you're planning, things go wrong, and it introduces a, a large amount of, of strain mentally, physically, and we would call that stress. I don't think anyone in this room would say that stress is a healthy thing at all. I mean, it's really destructive. It is very, very destructive. And in this case, we see an individual who is stressed. I mean, you see them use the word distress. I am distressed. I mean, that's stressed out. And in this case, this realization of stress is being met and responded to by grace. I want to say the same thing, but I want to word it in a more practical way. God, hear my prayer. I'm really stressed. Be gracious to me and help. This is a wonderful thing to know that in our times of stress, we can call on God's grace. I want to give you another uh, psalm here, Psalm 27, 7. Have you ever needed an answer to a question? Maybe you didn't know what to do or didn't know how to do it or, or didn't, didn't know uh, uh, something about a situation or a circumstance. There was an element of mystery. Psalm 27, 7. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Be gracious to me and answer me. Now, you could just make that about God responding to you, but the only thing that I've ever really needed answers for were questions. I mean, the idea that we have questions and we can take them to God and by his grace, he can provide the answer for us is a really wonderful and relieving thing. Now, I think this next one is just as, as bad as stress. I think this is a very destructive thing. Have you ever felt loneliness? I mean, you can be surrounded by acquaintances, people who would maybe even identify themselves as your friends, but there's an open door for uh, the result being depression when loneliness comes into an individual's life. Loneliness is a really destructive thing. In fact, I've used this example often, whether it's talking about rejection or loneliness, but I think it's a really powerful example. I mean, when you see Jesus suffering on the cross, when you see the beatings and the mockings and all of these horrible, terrible, violent acts committed against him, it's only when he feels alone lonely, abandoned, or rejected on the cross that he cries out. When he cries out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Or why have you rejected me? Or why am I in this alone? Where did you go? When we face and deal with things and all of a sudden we, we're confronted with a, a, a feeling of loneliness, it's a really destructive thing. And, and the solution for that isn't necessarily companionship or something like that. It's the manifestation of God's grace. Whether that grace comes through companionship or some other way is up to God. But in this case, I'll give you this psalm, Psalm 25, 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. What a wonderful thing to pull from the Psalms and add to our prayer life when we're confronted with loneliness. To not have to deal with it and look for, you know, the world's promised medicinal solutions or the world's promised relational solutions for loneliness and depression. But whether we can see in the scripture, the psalmist has offered us the example to introduce into our cry, into our prayer, into our supplication, and it is to call on God's grace. Father, I need your grace. I'm lonely. 
I want to give you another one, and this one involves healing, and this is specifically in the physical. Psalm 6-2, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I'm pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed. So I want to make this really clear because I think it's very uh, uh, important to do so. There's no legalism in getting our, our words exactly right in our prayers in order for them to be effective. If I were needing healing in my body and I asked God for healing in my body, I don't think he would say, son, you're asking for the wrong thing. You need to ask for grace. But I think it's important for us to see that the healing that we cry for and the healing that we need is all a manifestation of God's grace. And then it's a wonderful thing to consider that grace is what Jesus is filled with. And that grace is what is realized through Jesus. It all brings us back to Jesus for all the solutions to all of our ailments and all of our problems. It all comes down to Jesus. I remember when the church was planted, it was back in, in 2000, and meeting in the Civic Center with set up and tear down every week and, and you know, had a trailer full of speakers and equipment. These are actually the same speakers. Those speakers are really old. They've been very faithful. And, and we'd set them up on poles and set out chairs and have a church service. And I remember the days really clearly, and I remember the slogan, like a, the, the church slogan that we would print on bulletins and things like that. It's all about Jesus is what used to be printed on those bulletins. It's all about Jesus. Well, when you see God's grace, when you see all of the needs for God's grace in our life, and you see that all of God's grace is, is manifest and realized through Jesus, that's a true statement. We're always going to be coming back to Jesus for the solution no matter what the problem is because it's Jesus that's filled with grace. I'll give you another psalm here, and I want to target this one toward mental health. I mean, healing mentally. Most of the time, the result of stress and strain or the result of, of relational tensions and other things that exist in our life is, is in our mind. I mean, I've oftentimes caught myself doing things that I don't think are very healthy. Now, physically, I'm fine. You could go to the doctor, get a physical, and check out A-OK, but I don't think it's normal to be driving in your truck having conversations with people who aren't there. Have you ever had that? I mean, let me explain a little more. You know, somebody makes you mad. Somebody makes you mad and, and you just, you know, are, are driving or something goes wrong and you're driving and you're having a conversation with them and they're not even in the car. But you're like rehearsing it, right? So when you say it, it doesn't sound quite so cuckoo, right? I mean, when you start talking about it, it's like, hey, no, let's get real. This stuff happens. Where you're just kind of like ramped up, gearing up and practicing almost what you would say if that person were in the room. Now, most of the time, those trial runs are a good way to know what not to say, right? Because that's a time when you're kind of cutting loose. And, and I don't know that uh, Jesus has really taken the wheel in those moments a lot of times. But in, in this kind of a situation, I found myself doing that a lot. I had a situation once in, in, in another state. I was doing uh, ministry work in Oklahoma and an individual did something that I thought was a betrayal, massive betrayal, that was going to result in, in incredible changes all across the board, especially in, in my life, but in the lives of others. And it was a really challenging thing. Now, I, I didn't drive in my truck and have conversations. You know where I had those conversations? Mowing the yard. I'm sitting there pushing the mower and the whole time I'm just talking to him. 
He's nowhere to be found. I got news for you. That's nutty, right? There's something there that's not healthy. But we can see that, that God is very interested in our health mentally. I'll give you a, a passage of Scripture. Uh, Psalm 41, verse 4. Oh, Lord, be gracious to me and heal my soul. Now, your soul is in the realm of your mind. I mean, it's in your thoughts and your emotions, your intelligence, your imagination. That's where your soul is. And we've animated this a couple of times so that we can all come into the right understanding. And I consider, you know, like my body, my body is genetically made up of the genes of my mother and father. But yet there's my soul that is me, my identity. That is what God wove together in the womb of my mother that makes me me. It's not just biology. It's, it's, it's absolutely the, the, the creativity of God forming a unique and wonderful individual. It's your soul. And God's very interested in bringing healing to our soul all through his grace or by being gracious to us. So I want to look at, you know, what this means. I mean, what does it mean to have God's grace in your life? I'll give you another passage from the psalm. What it means to have God's grace in your life. Based on this passage, I think it'll be pretty clear. Psalm 30, verse 10. Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. God's grace in my life looks like his help in my life. And I don't know if you figured this out, but I need a lot of help. O oh Lord, be gracious to me and be my helper. When I'm examining my life for manifestations of the grace of God, I'm looking in my life for areas where God has helped me. When I'm looking in my life for areas where I need God's grace to be manifest in my life, I'm looking in my life for areas where I need help. I need help in my communications. I need help to, to remain consistent. I mean, there are days where I just think, my goodness, this Christianity thing is just humming it's working this is great and then there are other days where I'm thinking well that that wasn't my most shining moment I had a day at work with a guy the other day and I kind of blew my top with him I made it right but I want to stay consistent I don't want to have highs and lows that's a roller coaster I want to be consistent and steady and that's going to require the grace of God active at all times in my life giving me the help that I need it's what we're all called to walk in. And it's the reason why he would provide that help. When Jesus prays for, for you and for me, he, he, he promises to ask for something. John 14, 16, Jesus' promise is, I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper so that he will be with you forever. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. He refers to this again in John 14, 26, 15, 26, and 16, 7. I mean, this is a topic of conversation that isn't just something said on the side. Rather, this is a very important thing that we're meant to make a note of, that God has brought his grace into this world to be realized through Jesus. We can realize that God is a fulfiller of his promises. We can realize that God is very interested in our deliverance. We can realize that God loves us with an unconditional love, all because Jesus in his existence, testifies that this is the truth. We realize that. Now those things do become real in our everyday living because of the presence of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the helper that manifests God's grace in our life. 
So all of this talk about grace, and I think it's important to understand what it means to be gracious. I want to give you just a definition, and we're, we're closing shortly with these, these last remarks. To be gracious, by definition, to be gracious, marked by kindness or courtesy. Kindness or courtesy. In the words origin, it, it would mean uh, to favor or to be merciful or benevolent. I like the word benevolent, but we, we don't use it a lot in our everyday speech. But if you looked at the word benevolent for a definition, it, it, would, it would be defined as follows. Marked by the doing of good. Organized for the purpose of doing good. So as a church, we, we'll have, you know, uh, uh, an area of ministry that we would refer to as benevolence. Or if we were to, to take a certain percentage of, of of tithes and offerings and say we're using this to sow into the community as a benevolent work. You know, you would take that and it would be set aside for the doing of, of good, the, the doing of good works. Well, our lives are, are manifestations of God's benevolence toward us. And now the question is, what do we do with that? When we have God's help, when we have God's grace, when we have God's benevolence, what do we do? Jesus is the perfect example of what to do. He is the apostle, the example of how to live. And I'll give you this passage of scripture in closing from the book of Acts, Acts 10, 38. It refers to Jesus and it refers to him walking in the Holy Spirit or the helper that is the manifestation of God's grace. It reads like this. You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit, or the helper, and with power, and then how he went about doing good, or being benevolent, by healing and helping all of those who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Now, oftentimes I think that, that coming to church, being part of a church community, is, is driven by our desire to get our act together. Our desire to get our, our wounds healed, to get free from captivity, and those are wonderful things, and that is why the church and church community exists. But then you have to ask, why is God interested in setting me free? Why is he interested in delivering me? Why is he interested in ministering to that and healing that? And the reason is because then you are then gifted, anointed, called, and released to go and deliver others to minister healing to others. It's the reason why Jesus would make a statement, go and freely give as it was freely given to you. It's a very benevolent statement. Go and freely be benevolent as God has been benevolent to you. Go and freely be gracious just as God has been gracious to you. And as we examine our lives for the grace of God, when we look for all of the areas where God has helped us, it is meant to inspire praise and worship, gratitude and thanksgiving. It's also meant to reveal to us all that we're equipped now to go and do for others. I've been set free so that I can go and liberate. I've been healed so that I can go and minister. I've been delivered so that I can go and set free those who are afflicted and held captive. As we examine our lives for where all God has helped us and where all his grace has been manifest in our lives, it's a list of all of the things that we're equipped to go out and do in his name for the purpose of freely giving, freely being benevolent, freely being gracious, just as he's been gracious to us. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning.
I want to pray and I want to ask God to do a work in our hearts and our minds as it concerns the, the, the graciousness that he's brought into our life being mirrored, being reflected, being lived out through our words and our actions and our attitudes, our relationships, for the purpose of seeing the wonders of, of God's grace that brings about the healing, the mental healing, physical healing, the deliverance, and all of the promises that come with it, not just being things that we preach of in, in the church setting or sing of in our songs, but things that are lived out in our lives and then things that are ministered through our existence to those around us. The anointing that God has placed on your life is so incredibly powerful. It is the exact anointing that is on Jesus. It is the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, raised Christ from the dead, that dwells in you. That's what the word promises. No different, not in part, not partial, but the same Holy Spirit. And all of God's graciousness and all of his help in our lives because he loves us, delivers us, sets us free, isn't meant to end with freedom. Rather, it's meant to be the beginning of your mission, your call, your ordination to go and liberate. I want to pray this morning, and I want to ask God to make these things real in our hearts, our minds, and through our lives. Father, we bless your name, and we thank you for the graciousness that you have brought into our lives. Let it be realized in Jesus that we would begin to see all of the help that you have brought into our lives from the moment we were conceived up to this very moment that we stand here together. Let us see your grace at work. Let it produce thanksgiving, celebration, worship, and gratitude. But let it also set a standard in our lives to go and do the same for those around us. That we would not simply call upon your grace and then not give your grace. But let us see that you have equipped us, that you've called us, that you've ordained us and anointed us to go and release your grace through our words and actions, through our attitudes and our existence. And let your grace produce the healing that it promises to, the healing that we've come to know as your sons and daughters. Let ministry begin to flow in new, wonderful, and great ways through our lives. Let it be the most naturally supernatural thing that has ever come to pass in our lives. That simply by existing, we would be ministering your kingdom. We give you thanks, Father, for the call to walk in your grace. And we ask, let our hearts and our minds be completely affected by the truth behind your grace. That you are our helper and that you have called us, anointed us, and equipped us to go and help those around us. We bless your name and we thank you for this wonderful call. Let Jesus be exalted in our existence for your glory. And we again say thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.